Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 247 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. May we find a message about your faithfulness as we read your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. We start the Gospel of John again today. The book of John is different from the other three Gospels. There are no parables in this book, and he doesn't write about all the miracles the other ones include either. But this is a profound book that is often used to guide people to Christ. The word believe, as in believing in Christ, is used 98 times in this book. So let's look for our hearts to grow in belief as we read this book again. Let's see what John writes about in his first chapter. He writes about the beginning of time as we know it, when Christ was the word and he was present with God. John refers to Jesus as life and the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness and is never overtaken by the darkness. Our first reference to the word believe is in verse 7. John the Baptist was sent to be a witness to the light so people would believe in Jesus. However, his own people did not receive him. Verse 12 says, To as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, power, privilege, right to become the children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. We are fortunate to be chosen to know him, believe in him, and be children of God because of Christ. Verse 16 is one of my favorites and says that because of Jesus, we receive one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. May we be thankful for an abundance of grace, spiritual blessings, favor, and gifts. We are truly blessed. In verse 29, John calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in verse 36, he refers to him as the Lamb of God again. May we thank God that he sent his son to be the lamb, the sacrifice for us. Let's see what Paul is teaching the Galatians in chapter 3. He writes about living under grace versus living under the law. He calls the Galatians silly because they seem to be fascinated with teachings from people who were still entrenched in the law. He asked them if they received the Holy Spirit under the law or under grace. And he goes on to talk about how Abraham's belief in God made him righteous. It wasn't until another 430 years had passed that the law was given to Moses. And Paul points out it was given only so that people would be aware of their sin. It was intended to be in effect until the Messiah came. And since he had come, grace was poured over all the people. Verse 13 says, Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law and its condemnation by himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, is crucified. This passage is found in Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. Paul's last words in verse 29 read, And if you belong to Christ, are in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to the promise. May we be exceedingly grateful for Jesus' gift of freedom in him. Well, let's see what we can learn in Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah's words speak doom over Judah and Jerusalem. First, he writes about God taking away their food and water. Then he writes about the leaders. God will take away the good leaders and give them inept leaders to rule over them, meaning the foolish and ungodly, and the people will be oppressed through their leadership. We can only imagine their poverty as Isaiah writes about the ones who lead having nothing to offer, no clothes or food, 
and these leaders don't even want to rule. They try and get out of their appointment. Well, we see that people have fallen from grace. Verse 7 says, They fell because their words and deeds were against the Lord. They brought it on themselves. There is a short reprieve for those who did right in God's sight that we read about in verse 10. Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. But in verse 11, the wicked do not escape their punishment, and they get a woe. Woes are never good, as we read in the New Testament. The Lord charges the rulers and wealthy for not taking care of the poor. In fact, God charged them with stealing from the poor. Next, Isaiah takes on the women of the day. They were proud, seductive, and desired all the finest things in life. It doesn't sound too far from our current day. Isaiah successfully predicted the women would be taken into captivity and they would lose everything they held dear. All the idols would be stripped from them and they would live a life of degradation in slavery. Lastly, he predicted the men would fall by the sword in battle and Jerusalem would be ruined. In chapter 4, he writes about the desperate women who just want the name of one man. There are seven women for every man. This demonstrates the breadth of the destitution they will live under. However, in verse 2, Isaiah writes of the blessedness they will one day experience through Jesus, who is the branch of the Lord. Those who are written in the Lamb's book of life will be made holy. Their sins will be washed away. Isaiah writes about the blast of judgment and the blast of burning and sifting. The process that leads to holiness may not be easy, but it will be worth it, for they will be covered with God's glory, divine love, and protection. He will be their shade, their refuge and shelter from the storm. These are all things we have today through the blood of Christ. Let's see what we can learn from Psalm 66. This psalm was written by Hezekiah when Isaiah told him he was going to die. Hezekiah turned to the wall and begged God for more time. Because of his prayer, the Lord granted him another 15 years. The psalm starts out with a well-known verse, Make a joyful noise unto God all the earth. Yes, we should praise the Lord with our hearts and with our mouths. Whatever way you praise and worship God, let's do that today. Let's be intentional about praising God. The psalmist acknowledges the magnificence of God. He also acknowledges that God tried him in the people's hearts. In verse 12, he writes, We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out into a broad, moist place to abundance and refreshment in the open air. Yes, the Lord walks with us through the fire and then provides the place to be restored. He is the God of restoration. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for showing us your faithfulness today. Thank you for sending your son to die for us so that we can live under grace, so that we can be restored to you and have a relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for making us holy in your eyes. Keep our hearts soft toward you. Keep us seeking you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.